Hi, I'm Roy Collin, and I'm the creator of the podcast. You can find everything about me and the five podcasts on bio.link forward slash podcaster, and you'll find it in the QR code there. I'd also like to thank my sponsors. If you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety and want to know how to be 100% anxiety free in six weeks without therapy or drugs, Daniel Packard Anxiety Solution Program Company offers a six weeks system that permanently solves anxiety at an astounding 90% success rate. People who join the program only pay at the end once they have clear, measurable results. If you're interested in learning more, go to permanentanxietysolutions.com where you can book a free consultation with Daniel. Do you have high blood pressure or want to get off the meds? Doctors are amazed at what Zona Plus can do. Get a $50 discount with my code ROY. Go to zona.com slash discount slash ROY and you'll see the QR code for all my sponsors down at the end. Quality Polish manufacturer of metal products for telecommunication and workshop equipment and other metals. If you'd like a brochure, you see it in the QR code and you just let us know if you would like a quotation shipped internationally and very competitive rates. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Welcome to the Meditation Podcast. You can find all our episodes on meditationpodcast.org and you'll find the QR code and uh, all the different podcasts that I've got. So my guest today, a fellow Irish woman from beautiful Wicklow, professional animal healer, a teacher and a speaker. Please welcome Lisa Tully. Hi, Roy. Thanks so much for having me here. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to this. So I mean, I've just kind of given the bullet points, but you might let the listeners know a little bit about Lisa. So I work as a, a holistic practitioner for animals, which is a little bit unusual, but it's very much needed because the animals are limited in what they have access to in terms of vets and things like that. So what I do to break it down and help you understand it a bit better is I can help animals when they have emotional challenges or when they may have physical conditions, I can help them with that as well. And sometimes if they're very serious physical conditions, I'll collaborate with homeopathic vets. And to give you a bit about my background, born in Ireland, as you say, I did a science degree here in Dublin in DCU because I was thinking about studying veterinary medicine but the points are super high. Uh, so I ended up working in pharmaceuticals for a while with my science working in London in the major hospitals there. And then I started to meditate and the meditation then led me down a path of a much more holistic lifestyle. And that brought me eventually to training in different skills, working with the animals. So the main skills I touch upon would be five elements, Chinese medicine principles with them. And then I also use herbs and essential oils and different botanicals like that and a bit of animal communication as well. So I'm able to really tap into what it is the animal needs in order to live their best life. Uh, so that's a snapshot. <laughs> oh, no, brilliant, brilliant. And like, because I know you've been to India, you've been around kind of Europe as well. So you might kind of talk about what you've learned, because then people might understand better how you're actually able to apply this to the animals. Sure. Um, when I was living in London, and um, there's lots of amazing teachers there. If you want to learn anything, it's there. So I came across some real inspirational teachers and they got me really really into meditation and when I left 
left my pharmaceutical career, a huge thing that caused that was the actual meditation because I became a square peg in a round hole and I was eventually managed out. So, so what I did was I went and I created a tour company that I, I would fill the tours and run the tours in India. And the reason I did that was because I wanted to fund my way to spend time in India and really deepen my meditation practice. So the tours that I ran there was I was taking people to McClough which is north of Delhi by about 12 hours north. And the reason I was homing in on that area, it's where the Tibetan community live in exile. So it's home to the Dalai Lama and lots of monasteries. And I just really liked the way the Tibetans approached meditation and philosophy. So I spent a significant amount of time. I was in and out of India for a good three years <laughs> and attending teachings and meditations. Uh, so that really, really got my practice very strong. And then what happened was when I discovered the concept of animal communication and it's actually something that you can learn and study I got a book on it and I tried it now I'd been very connected to life I had other experiences with animals on my travels but this kind of was a moment where it all came together and then I started to study that and I studied with teachers outside of Ireland because there's not so many um, that teach it here and one of them was living in the UK, Madeline Walker. So I her. and, you know, Roy, there's a big part of my my travel that fits into this whole picture. Um, and that is I also spent a year living in the rainforests in Bolivia. And this happened earlier in my life, just after I graduated from my science degree and Basically, I was living in the jungle and I was in a local village and then I would walk up into the rainforest each day for about half an hour up into the jungle where Millie, this ocelot cat, would be. And I was in charge of Millie. I was her keeper for a year and she was in the wildlife sanctuary because her mum had been shot for her fur. So Millie and her brother were then taken, stolen, and they were being sold in the market, uh, which is horrendous. And her little brother didn't make it, but then Millie did. So she was hand hand fed. So she wasn't necessarily totally wild at all, but she wasn't tame either. She was a jungle cat. You can't keep them as a pet. They'll suddenly turn around and eat your dog. Like, seriously, that's what a lot of people try to keep these animals as pets and then they wonder why they eat their dog. So um, with Millie, it was a unique experience where I got to walk with her in the jungle and I would just let go of her lead and she would just go off and climb trees and catch snakes and all sorts. She even caught monkeys on me some of the time. And... <laughs> she was so fast. She would actually catch moving bats out of the air. Like it was just phenomenal. And submersing myself in that immense nature, that immense ecosystem, like 
you know, I would be walking through rivers and I'd climb up out of a river and looking dead on would be a snake hissing in my face. Like and you you do totally the wrong thing. You jump back and scream. <laughs> you know, there's no there's no ability to kind of stay calm and think what you're supposed to do, stay still. Um, but I made it through. Um, I made it through the year and it changed me. It really, really changed me and it helped me understand fundamentally. I suppose how disconnected we are from nature here in the West. And something that's really stuck with me from that, which I always hold, hold true to my heart, which might sound like a small thing, but it was really big to me, is when you live in the jungle and you hear the beautiful birds and you look up above the canopy and you see like several beautiful parrots all flying by together in a swarm and you look at that and you just go wow for me parrots growing up were always something you had in your house something that was kept on a perch uh, I grew up around canaries and budgies and so, so to go to bring my younger self to that kind of a place and see where these animals actually naturally come from and um, it stirred something in my soul and I believe now my work with the animals is beyond just healing them. It's being their advocate as well. Yeah. yeah beautiful, beautiful. So I suppose with, with the animals, there's two kind of things. Obviously, there's ailment you know, when they have an injury and then there's something mental. Because like, unfortunately, you know, whether it's a dog or a cat, any animal really, like sometimes they're abused and they need healing. So like... To, I suppose let's touch on both of them to kind of the way that you'd go about that when you know first of all if it's a mental thing with an animal um so I suppose it's about looking at where the animal came from even though there's the the side of where an animal has had a trauma because they've been abused that you could also look at where they came from but it's in a slightly different way if an animal is out of balance on a mental level or an emotional level, believe it or not, Roy, a lot of the time it can be because of their breeding. So you, if, if you're working with a lot of pedigree dogs or, or pedigree horses, these animals are pedigree cats that are bred to be sold. You know, they have a much smaller gene pool and they inherit a lot of stuff from mom and dad. And so there's a bit of inbreeding there as well, which will impact them. But also what can happen is, now I'm not saying every breeder is like this, and sometimes people do this despite having the best of intentions for the animals that they breed and always making sure they have good homes, is that if an animal doesn't have enough time with mum and mum's milk and gets to the point that mum actually weans the, the animals off her milk naturally, and then the animal has a few days with just still being with mum and mum gently pushing them away and saying, no, you're, you've had enough milk for now. You have to feed yourself. What that does is it really trains the, the young animals digestive system, how to digest food properly. And the gut is known as the second brain. Because when the gut is out of balance, it can affect your thought processes. It can affect your behaviors. It can affect your emotions. So a lot of these pedigree animals, they either came maybe from, say, if it's in the case of a dog, came from a puppy farm. Okay, sometimes you'll get horses that are bred 
and a more expensive horse suddenly becomes an orphan and they take that horse's mom and let her be the wet nurse for the more expensive horse. And the foal that's left behind then is hand reared. So they have all this lack of access to mom's real milk. Okay, and that can really, really affect them. And also how it can affect them is they can have separation anxiety. They can be really um, on edge the whole time, quite nervous. And that can turn to also being fearful, having fearful aggression where they may go for you or just or go for particular types of people. And that that kind of be a bit of a trigger point for them. So that's kind of one side. So how I would treat that is basically rebalance the gut, look at the diet, replenish the microbiome and maybe give them some bovine colostrum, which is the original milk. Uh, you would use maybe essential oils to start to calm down the mind as well. It's all it all in the, the essential oils would work on the physiological side of it as well and and get the meridian points back into balance in the energy flow that goes into the organs, talking a little bit of Chinese medicine there. Um, so that would be one way of, of dealing with it. And then to go on to the other type of animal, the one that is a rescue animal. Again, it kind of you would find that they more than likely, if they're traumatized, would have a digestive imbalance going on, even if they'd had mum's milk as at a perfect amount growing up and they were naturally weaned off mum. If they've gone through big enough a trauma, which a lot of rescue animals have done, again, it can still cause a digestive imbalance. So you would do the exact same thing, but you would more than likely have to work with them longer as well to to help them soothe and ease the trauma of the mind and again you could use things like flower essences herbs essential oils with them and one thing I would say a huge part of my job Roy working with these animals both both types is trying to encourage their person to be patient enough to let me do the work because it's fundamental that we need to understand when whether an animal has a mental imbalance, an emotional imbalance, a trauma or anything, they can only heal at the rate that they can heal at. If we humans go to therapy and we've got someone on our shoulder saying, are you not, are you, have you not healed your trauma yet? You've had six sessions. You should be finished it by now. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not going to work. So it's the exact same for the animals. Um, it's about giving them the opportunity to heal at the rate that they they can heal at, whatever their story. And like with, say, the foods as well, because, you know, I mean, we've whiskers, paws, all these kind of things. I mean, they're like the McDonald's of food. And I think, I mean, you see the ingredients sometimes. It's like 5% dash. I never saw my dog or cat go into the fireplace and licking out the ash. You know, it was like, I mean, there's a lot of toxins in the food, which in turn, I think they're not living as long. I mean, my dog lived to 16 because we weren't giving him that. We were giving him the same food as us. But I see a lot of the times maybe a dog's like 10 years and and I think the food has a, a big part of that. Oh, you've touched on a huge topic there, Roy, and I'm so glad you did because it is, it's, it's pet food was made as a human convenience. You know, it hasn't really been around that long. Um, and, and it, you know, it proved very popular. And then like everything, the corporates jumped on top of it. 
And now they're making an absolute fortune on selling these foods. Um, but even if it's the local supermarket food, any of these dry foods or these really highly processed wet foods, I like to say to people, you know, if you look at dry food for dogs or cats or horses or anything, any animals, or it's known as kibble or nuts, as people call it, if you look at it, what food group does it remind you of? None of them, because it's not a natural food. It's not an actual food. And you're right. It is full of all kinds of stuff that causes huge problems. And since it became the norm, animals health has really, really, really declined. And what's a very frightening thing at the moment that's going on now is that corporations around the world are buying up veterinary practices and they are there's a local veterinary practice I heard of recently here in Dublin that just got bought over by Mars. Mars, right? And the food that Mars uh, makes for pets is a very well-known one, okay? And it's it's used as a prescription food as well. So I just want people to think about that for a minute. Why would a food company, a corporation like Mars, buy a veterinary practice? What is their ultimate goal? And how is that going to impact your animal? Are they going to genuinely have all options laid out to them when it comes to food? And the way I approach food with the animals is there it, it becomes a very potent form of medicine. And the animals know this. So if you have a dog that is refusing to eat their dry food. So what you have to do is you have to mix in a bit of wet food and only then they'll eat it. The dog is telling you that the dry food, they don't want it, that it's it's probably causing harm more than likely to their digestive function, to their gut, to their kidneys, to everything. And that's why it's actually shortening their lives. And how I know the magic of food is because when animals come to me, in all sorts of states of sickness, I'll always address the diet and everything I do, all the botanicals I use, all the diets that I use, they're basically self-selected by the animal. So I get a pendulum and I have the animal's photo and I say, which do you want? OK, and they always respond so well to what they personally choose for themselves. So this morning I was working on a dog who had um, paralysis. Now, this dog is only three years old, right? And it's a pedigree dog. And suddenly the dog developed paralysis of the hind legs. And thank thankfully now the, the dog is, is starting to get back function of the legs. Not, you know, they're about 70% there. But when I looked into the case, you know, it's clearly what's going on with that dog from my from my experience is there is a, a kidney yang deficiency, which means that basically the kidneys are really, really struggling. And that dog um, was on a home cooked diet for the first year. And then the last two years, the, the guardian put the dog on dry food, probably influenced by somebody else to make that choice. I'm not quite sure, but that is impacting the, the kidneys because it puts strain on the digestive system. It puts strain on the, the spleen, the stomach, and they need to nourish the kidneys. Now, there would have been a kidney imbalance going on there anyway, but straight away what I'm doing with that, that dog is I'm changing the diet and the dog selected 
a diet for for himself two diets one which is congee which is basically chicken and white rice and ginger which is going to feed the digestive the spleen and the stomach which will nourish the kidneys okay and he selected warming foods um to warm up the kidneys now that in itself is going to have a huge impact on that dog's health that simple change can transform the dog's well-being so i want people to reverse that and i want the listeners to think about, well, if I take my dog off a fresh diet or a high quality raw food diet or a high quality wet food diet and I switch it to kibble to dry food, that's going to have a huge impact on their well-being on the reverse side. And sometimes people may do that thinking that they're going to save money because they don't want to invest in actual fact, like you said, your dog will end up in the vets a lot more often and end up with serious physical conditions a lot earlier in life. So you'll pay the higher costs at the end by the vet bills. Whereas if you invest in their well-being now with a proper, proper diet of fresh, good quality foods, and it doesn't mean you have to slave over the kitchen all day. There's amazing food companies out there now that cook the food for you and deliver it to your door. Um, and then you have them living by your side for longer who doesn't want that? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And like you were mentioning the vets there. And one thing that I've kind of noticed because I'm kind of looking at everything now, the craziness in the world is there's a snake in the symbol in the veterinaries in Poland. I think it's everywhere as well. You see it on the back of the ambulance, you see it in the hospitals and the pharmacy as well has a snake in it. And then when you see all the different things, the, the logos around the world by the powerful elite, they always have a snake in it. So it's like, these things are kind of, they're like kind of telling us they're not good for us. I don't know. Have you ever thought of that or have you spotted that? Um, I have. And I, the way I interpret that um, is that, you know, these kind of bigger conglomerates that are pulling the strings behind absolutely everything, they're very clever. Okay. They're, they're dialed into the power of symbolism. So one thing I learned when I went to India, one of the first things that kind of shocked me um, was that I kept seeing the swastika sign everywhere. Um, and I was like, why have they got it's the It's a lucky swastika? symbol there, isn't it? Oh, it's a sacred symbol, but yeah. it's reversed. Yeah. Okay, so Hitler took the swastika and reversed it around, right? So they're dialed into these powerful symbols. And, you know, the snakes that you see on the medical symbols around the world, um, I believe that they're in relation to the Kundalini energy. Okay, which is the dormant energy that sits at the base of our spine. And our job as a human being on this earth is to cleanse the channels and the chakras and everything that goes up the body so that that Kundalini energy at some point can start to rise up and travel up. And what it does is there's two, there's one main channel that goes straight up the spine. And there's two channels that kind of weave around the spine like that, that look like that snake sign. And the Kundalini is, is depicted as the snake because it rises up and comes out at the top and literally the, the light arcs over you. Um, so that's where that symbol comes from. And the, the medical world, um, I believe, fundamentally used to genuinely have amazing healing abilities. They used to have homeopathy. They used to use herbs. They used to incorporate everything into it. Um, but then when, again, people influenced it around the 1900s, around that time, and things really started to, to change. 
Um, so I think that all symbol is is left over from that. But even to see that symbol with other organizations that we know maybe are fundamentally not great or positive from the get go, they still they still Roy know how to tap into this symbolism. I, that's the that's the way I see it. They know what they're doing. They know the astrology. They know everything. Like, yeah. but they just flip it for it for a different purpose. And we need to just flip it back. <laughs> no, definitely. And I'm just curious. I don't want to mention the word, but I'll say I call it the poison dart that they give to animals. And I think with the yeah. chipping as well, where they're conditioning us that we think that's normal. Because like when I grew up you know, in the early 70s, with the, like you, may, you maybe got the stemper and that was it, but nothing yeah. else. And they never had problems. My brother's dog died after getting, and there's, there's someone else I know as well. He doesn't believe it's from that, but I think it is. Like his dog is getting epileptic fits sometimes four or five times a day. And I'm just wondering your thoughts on that, because I don't think it's, I mean, even for humans, it's like if you look at the ingredients that's in it, it's all toxins. And I don't think it's it's good for the animals either. Yeah, um I again I'd say if people are listening all over the world, you know, to this podcast, if you have an animal and you're thinking about giving them a jibby jabby, <laughs> um, um it's about first of all sourcing a holistic vet and understanding what diseases are most prevalent in your area. Okay, what are the genuine risks? And and a holistic vet will tell you um what if any are actually needed. Okay. Um, so there's I went, I, I go went into this in huge detail with one of my friends who's a holistic vet, right? Um, and I the question I asked her, I said to her, if you, if it's your dog, right, knowing all that you know and seeing all the damage that you've seen from animals being over jabbed, which they are all the time. Is there anything you would give your animal if it was your puppy? Uh, what would you give them uh, as well as all the homeopathy that you give and everything like that? Um, and she came back and she said that she would give a, a parvovirus vaccine once in the animal's life at 12 weeks old. Everything else she feels can be managed. And I thought, wow, now, isn't that super interesting? Like that, there's a balance there. OK, so but paying attention to what she said, I would give it to the dog once for their entire life at 12 weeks old. And then what happens, you see, is we're encouraged to give them the, the same shots year in, year out, Roy. And there's this this thing you can do with animals if you do want to give them one particular shot, if it's a prevalent disease and a holistic vet has genuinely told you do this, you go fair enough. What you can do is you can do something called a titer test and a titer test is basically a blood test where they can test to see if the if the shot is still active in the animal system. If it's still active, you don't need to give them a booster. OK, and there's amazing, um, amazing information is coming out on this now. There was a study that recently came out just a few months back um, where there's dogs um. Uh, so, so far at year five and the, the titer tests are showing that the shots are still active. Now that, that, that study will continue to grow as the animals get older. 
But so it could even get to 10 years. It could even get to 12 years. And there's one holistic vet in the States that did it on her own dog in the 90s. She, she gave the dog one shot, puppy shots, and um, once and did titer tests. And they lasted the dog's entire life. Okay, entire life. So, so it is about you know approaching it with with awareness. Now, there's. I just also want to say there's people out there who don't want to do any jabs at all. Huge respect. Whatever you want to do, I'll work with you. You know, I'm no. You know, I try and meet everybody in the middle because it's for the animals. Um, and the people who don't want to give any jabs at all, you know, there's homeopathic nosodes, which are basically homeopathic versions with no side effects, no toxins, and they give your animal um protection. But fundamentally, the one thing that's really going to protect your animal against any invasion of any sickness or virus or anything you're fearful about is feeding them well. If you give them a good diet, they've got a strong life force. If they have a strong life force, their immune system is strong. So therefore, the dog next door might succumb to, you know, lepto, whereas your dog doesn't. Uh, it comes back to you are what you eat, you know, feed them same well for, and they'll same stay for well. Us. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I've, I've seen some people like the, the, the best horses, the healthiest horses, and you look at them and you, you know, you kind of go, why aren't you eating the same food as your horse? Because <laughs> <laughs> So like there was one thing because I know you have a blog as well. And there was one thing I didn't know as I was kind of doing the research. And it was like in the hot weather, you know, people put out the balls for the dogs and they put ice in it. You might just touch on that. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, so this comes this comes back to the principles of, of Chinese medicine. Um, when we get our heat waves here in Ireland, which don't happen too often, um, all of a sudden the ice comes out. Everybody's giving their dog these ice creams, doggy ice creams. They're putting ice cubes. I was in a pub recently and I just saw a doggy bowl just with loads of ice cubes in it. And I just thought, oh, my God, and there wasn't even any water in it. And people are feeding their dogs ice cubes, thinking they're going to cool them down. But in actual fact, what happens is when animals or us ingest something as cold as ice ice cream or even a nice cold beer or a drink with ice in it that goes into the into the body and the body straight away responds it creates a very deep internal cold going on within the body so the body receives the message oh i'm very cold now i need to warm myself up again so if you're trying to cool down a dog on a really hot day and you give them ice, you're actually in effect causing the body to warm up again. Okay, it's very, very confusing for the body. A lot of practitioners of Chinese medicine say one of the worst creations that we have here, and the Chinese would say this, one of the worst creations we have here in the West is ice cream. Because the ice cream, the ice not only has that effect on the digestive system, uh, but the cream itself actually causes then the spleen to kind of, the spleen really doesn't like dairy, okay? And the spleen doesn't like cold either. It likes to be warm. So ice cream <laughs> is a nightmare. Um, so if we want to cool our animals down in a safe way or cool ourselves down in a safe way, 
a simple thing to do is get a bowl of water, two bowls of water. In the first bowl, you have plain drinking water. Leave it as it is. In the second bowl of water for your doggo, put in or your cat or your your horse or anybody and um, put in a few pinches of high quality salt, sea salt, Himalayan salt, and let the dog or the cat or the horse choose they'll they'll either drink the plain water or they'll drink the salted water to cool themselves down and you've created basically an isotonic drink i would give it to animals 365 days of the year because it keeps them rehydrated sometimes senior animals for example can be getting dehydrated because the kidneys aren't functioning properly and a little bit of salted water for them to self-select when they need it because they inherently and instinctively know when their body needs a bit of salt. That's a much safer way to cool them down than giving them um, ice cubes. And, you know, it's it's not people's fault. A, a lot of, if you have been doing that for your animal friend, a lot of people recommend it. A lot of people recommend give them ice cubes um, or give them frozen um, treats. Or uh, sometimes I've heard trainers even recommend people feed their dogs dog their food frozen because their dog keeps wolfing down the food so the dog constantly every day is being fed frozen food I'm like wow like you're just you know that's just think about it like it's just it's you know it makes me shiver <laughs> we're cold um so it's about you know keeping things neutral um and and supporting the animals in that way and I suppose a bit of common sense as well, because like, I mean, anytime I was, I had wildcats, they both disappeared after two or three years, don't know what happened to them, but like if you're putting out water and they don't tend to drink water anyway, but like that you're putting in the shade, because some people, they don't, they just, and you see the balls in the sun and like, even if they're not adding the salt or they're not conscious, at least have it in the shade so it's not boiling up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also it's about providing shade for your animals as well. Um, you know, especially for large animals, sometimes I see you're driving around and you see them in their fields and there's no shade. And it's just really important to make sure that your animals have the opportunity um, to have shade themselves. So I have seen some of the videos where you have the cats and you have the herbs. I, I believe you have them in a bag, but there's all different herbs and just seeing how the cats react. So you might just let tell people a bit about that. Yeah, I love that. So that's that's the herb mats for cats is what I call them. Um, so basically what that is, is it's a selection of different herbs. So in one bag, you may have comfrey herb, which is good for the musculoskeletal system. And um, then I, in the other bag, you know, I might have angelica root. Angelica root is an incredible herb uh, for uh, achy bones. It's also for emotional traumas. If an animal has had an early life trauma, angelica root can really soothe that. It supports the liver. I mean, it's it's a angelica root's a bit of a, a unicorn herb in my my toolbox. Um, so they might have some of that. They may have valerian root to calm them down. A little bag of that. Um, the cleavers. I mean, there's maybe six, seven different herbs come in this in this pack, okay? I vary which herbs go into a pack depending on what the individual cat has selected. And then what happens is I post them to their people and they they lay out the, 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 the individual bags of herbs on the ground and the cat instinctively will come up to the herb that they need at that time. And they'll pick the bag up and they'll start rubbing and playing in it. So once they've done that, what you do is they've shown you what herb they want to work with today and you put out a towel 
And then you get a, a few pinches of that herb, take it out of the bag and put a few pinches on the towel. And the cat then will start to roll around in the herb. They may start to eat the herb um, or they might start to just quietly sit beside it and smell it and fall asleep beside it. Or they may even go into a bit of a healing trance with it, which is a bit like a cat meditation. They just kind of curl down. They're not asleep. Their eyes are still kind of blinking. And they're going deep into a healing process with these herbs so they can help them mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually. And you can leave those herb mats out for as long as they want to play with them and, and add in a new herb each day to see see which one they want to interact with. And they're very, very good because they they not only heal the cat, they create sensory stimulation uh, sensory enrichment, which is really good for cats, say, for example, can't get outside for some reason, although I, I always seriously advocate you let your cats outside. Um, but some people, you know, they don't have that facility, they don't have the ability. So this is a way of bringing nature into them. Um, also, like I'm, I'm going to be working on a cat there um, who had major surgery last week. So that cat, I will include herbs in that like yarrow um, and the symphytum, which are really good healers. OK, and it'll help the cat just kind of stabilize itself after major surgery and the trauma of that and the trauma of what the surgery means on that cat's body because the cat recently had a leg amputation. OK, so that's huge. So this is a, a way where once the once the animals are finished in veterinary care, I catch them. I catch them out the other side. I catch their 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 guardians out the other side, and I can be that extra support, um, and help them kind of to the healing process. And and the herb mats with the cats is is a phenomenal way of doing it. It's quite fun to watch as well. <laughs> no, it was fascinating. The videos I was looking at them. So we make sure that we put the video you yes. know, link with so people can see uh, it. And just like curious with the one that I mentioned uh, of the friend of mine that's got a, it's an Argentinian dojo, I think they're called. So, so he, he's gotten the epileptic fits, a lot of them, and then they're getting medication and it's like, it's not really helping. Is there any, like, is that anything that you've come across that there's ways of trying to do that naturally to help? Oh, that? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've worked a lot with animals with seizures. Um, so from from a Chinese medical perspective, um, when an animal has seizures, there's usually two two organs that can be causing it, the liver or or the heart. Um, and if an animal is having a reaction, a seizures, like you said, after that dog, most likely it's since the shots and things like that. You know, it, it can be a huge, huge impact that can happen. And even from the wormers, the modern wormers that vets are using, they're called a class of, of drugs called isoxylenes. And a lot of animals are getting seizures from them as well. Um, and that can be something that could usually be by the liver. Um, so it's about like I have a dog at the moment I'm helping with seizures and that dog always has the seizures between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. in the morning time. And that's the hours um of the liver that's when the liver is most active okay so straight away that you know by just asking that simple question what time does the animal have the seizures at um you're you can you possibly can highlight um it's it's the liver i mean there's many many other things i would be looking at as well to identify it and then it's about you know working with the animal and saying well which organ because other other uh, organs impact the liver as well and it's saying well which organ do you want me to start with 
Okay, how can we support the liver? Do we support the kidneys to support the liver or do we go straight in and support the liver directly? So that's where the animal has this innate wisdom to tell me, oh, start start with the kidneys first. And then we support the kidneys to in turn support the liver. That will just give you one example. Um, and then the other type of seizures then um, is connected to the heart. So in Chinese medicine, the spirit of the heart is called the Shen. Each organ has a spirit. And what what the what 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 the principles say is that uh, when an animal has a seizure, it can be because the Shen is leaving the body. The spirit of the heart is leaving the body. So the emotional causes behind seizures is um, basically wanting to exit, not being able to cope in life, wanting to escape. Okay, they literally leave the room. Okay, so the Shen, the heart energy is not being grounded. Consequently, actually, the liver plays a big role in grounding the Shen in. But an animal, it can be about treating the seizures by supporting the heart and supporting the emotions and understanding why the animal fundamentally wants to leave. Or maybe it's their person that's really having a very difficult time and they want to just check out. Um, and the animal is checking out for them and having the seizures to mirror back to them saying, look, this is not working for you. You need to, instead of checking out, you need to deal with why you want to check out. So it can be a process. It can be a real process, but it can be a very rewarding one because I get a lot of animals with seizures where, you know, they've just escalated, escalated, escalated. The drugs are no, are no longer working and, you know, they've just tried everything and then they come to me um, and then we we really look at why they're happening, you know. And I like to work in, in collaboration with vets on these types of cases because you have to be very, very careful, you know, very, very careful with seizures and, and you know, huge respect to all the hard work the vets are, are doing. So it's about teamwork, you know. And I'm just curious then with all the animals that you're dealing with, have you had you know any bad cases where the because I mean some some dogs and some cats, whatever, they they're just comfortable with the kind of the family. And when somebody comes in to help, I know you can do a lot of this stuff online, but have you had experiences that uh and how how you can potentially avoid them in the future? Um, do you mean like experiences like they where... try to bite you or they're just you know attacking because sometimes you see that oh, with an yeah. animal they're defensive of their owner yeah yeah oh i see what you mean um yeah like i'd say when i when i go and visit an animal um they tend to respond to me in a different way to what they normally would do. So you could have an animal that's usually quite aggressive and they'd be quite calm with me, or you have an animal that's usually quite calm and then suddenly they'd be aggressive with me. Okay. So it can go either way. Um, and the reason being is that they show me their true nature or they show me what's really going on for them. Um, so yeah, I, I was working, I was working with a dog Um where I went into the house and I had the botanicals in my my box and just the vibration of the oils can trigger them 
Okay, because they know because they're already releasing and they can have a trauma release. So there's certain oils that I use that I know to be very careful with. Um, and um, with this particular case, I, I walked into the house and it was a, a, a big breed of a dog, like a, a serious breed. Um, and the dog just starts growling at me and the, and the person's like, oh, my God, she never normally does that. And I was just like, mm, can we put her on a lead? And, and the guardian was like shocked. You know, why would you want to put her on a lead? I'm like, well, if that dog, you won't be able to get that dog off me. You know, that, that dog is a serious dog. Um, so eventually I, I kept working with the dog and, you know, twice she kind of really turned on me, but the guardian had her. Um, and then eventually the oils won. Like by the end of it, the dog was panned out on the floor, completely chilled out and relaxed. So, um, you know, the oils will win. Um, it's about me keeping myself safe until they do. Um, if there's a particularly tricky horse, um, you know, I'll, I'll always, and I know that they need a particularly tricky oil, <laughs> like a trauma release one. You know, I'll always work from the outside of the stable. Like, yeah, there's, there's only one of me and <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I've got many more animals to heal. So um. I never have any fault in the animal at all if they respond to me in a way that's deemed aggressive. I just think it's they're just asking for help and I'm the one to give it to them. Brilliant, brilliant. And I'm just going to ask one final question, but what I know is I'd love to get you back again, maybe you know, in December or something. Like that. And what we can do is the listeners then can kind of write to me and give me some questions for you because I think this is fascinating. But one of the things that I've seen you talk about as well is kind of helping in end of life with the animals because I I don't think not everyone kind of thinks of that, but it's a, it, nice to kind of know a bit more about that as well. Oh yeah, that's the quieter part of my work that not many people know I do. Um, I've been working with the animals now end of life for ten years and. Um, what I do is I give them a voice. This is where the animal communication plays a big role, because if an animal is senior and their body is letting go and their person knows it's getting close or an animal has been given a diagnosis by a vet, it's about I give the animal a voice and say, well, how do you want things to pan out? Would you try? Do you want to try go for a natural passing or is your suffering too much? Do you actually want help to leave? Do you want a euthanasia? And then as hard as that conversation is, I cry every single time. Um, it takes the responsibility for all the responsibility off their person's shoulders. It becomes a, a conversation. And then what we have is there again, there's certain botanicals that we use at end of life that support the animal, the, the soul to leave. OK, they don't force it like chemical euthanasia, but they seriously help the animal to go um, so they can actually completely avoid needing euthanasia if that's possible. But sometimes it's not. Um, and the other thing as well, the end of life botanicals, what they can do is they can actually give a, an animal that is really, really waning they can suddenly bounce back right and have a new burst of life and start playing with toys they haven't played with in months and doing things they haven't been doing in months because it gives them full soul autonomy. So the soul just says, I'm not ready to go yet. I've got more time here. And eventually the time will come again where they start to wane. And then we use the end of life botanicals 
for another time and this time they might continue to wane and wane and then eventually go or they might go for euthanasia but their soul is still really really ready by the time they go for it so the euthanasia is just the last little nudge beyond the veil so it makes the whole thing it makes a an impossible time, a teensy little bit more possible for everybody involved. And it's very, very special work. Very special. Beautiful. beautiful. Listen, Lisa, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Definitely love to get you back. And yeah. You, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And you might <laughs> let people know where they can find you. Oh, yeah. Um, My website is animalhealing.ie so they can find um, and my handles on Facebook and Instagram is Animal Healing Lisa Tully. Um, you'll find me there as well. And yeah, I'd love to hear what questions all of you have out there. And I'll be sure to answer them on the next time we chat, Roy. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, so I'll make sure I'll put uh, all the links both under the audio and the video. Thank you very much. Thank so, you. So that's all for the meditation podcast. You can find all our episodes on meditationpodcast.org. Until next week, take care. So I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. You'll find everything about me on bio.link forward slash podcaster with all my podcasts and you'll find it you see in the QR code in the graphic that's shown. I'd like again to thank my sponsors. So if you or someone you know struggling with anxiety and want to know how to be 100% anxiety free six weeks without therapy or drugs, Daniel Packard's Anxiety Solution Program company offers a six-week system that permanently solves anxiety at an astounding 90% success rate. People who join the program only pay at the end once they have clear, measurable results. If you're interested in learning more, go to permanentanxietysolutions.com where you can book a free consultation with Daniel. Do you fight blood pressure and or want to get off the meds? Doctors are amazed at what Zona Plus can do. You can get a $50 discount with my code Roy, zona.com slash discount slash Roy. And you'll see it in the QR code as well as Daniel's QR code. Quality manufacturer of metal products for telecommunication and workshop equipment and other metal materials. You see the brochure there in the QR code. And let me know if you would like a quotation shipped internationally at very competitive price. I'd like to thank all my sponsors and also all my listeners. Be sure to give me a thumbs up. Five star rating, share with your friends. Really helps. And I also have a video on how to give a five star rating because a lot of people have wrote to me asking me that they don't know how to do that. Until next week, take care.